0: Hey guys, welcome to the Golf Podcast Live with Raf and Mike. This is episode number 73. I'm your host, Raphael Calmat. I'm in Oakville, Ontario, Canada, alongside Michael Bleakley, always. They call him Bleaks, at ECS Agency. Uh, you know, I'm really, really, really excited today, guys. Uh, with us today to discuss the world of golf is World Teachers Golf Hall of Famer, Two-time Washington State junior champion, University of Houston All-American, professional golfer and author of 18 books. I don't know if I'm right about that, but I think I counted 18, at least in my collection. And then um, he's also a golf analyst for CNBC for the PGA Tour Champions. We've had lots of those guys on. NBC and co-host of the School of Golf or Golf School on SiriusXM. PGA Tour Radio. Mr. Jim McLean, welcome to the show.
1: Well, it's great to be with you, Mike and Raphael. I think it's 14 books, but I'll take 18.
2: (laughs) Rap (laughs) likes to embellish a little bit. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So uh, it looks like you dropped out for a sec, but uh, he'll call back in. That's the the beauty of doing this live. So Jim, why don't you tell us a little bit about how uh, you started in golf?
1: Well, I, I grew up not too far from you in Seattle, Washington, mm-hmm. and, you know, played a lot of junior golf. And uh, then I got a scholarship to the University of Houston, which uh, had great teams during that era. I uh, played yeah. with some great players there uh, that won all four major championships. Uh, yeah, so it was a great experience at Houston. I was able to meet. Um Jackie Burke, who was a big influence on me, who was a Masters champion and a and a PGA champion and a leading money winner on the on the tour, mm-hmm. and then that led to some other things. I played for a few years after college and professional golf, and then I went up and started teaching in New York at Westchester Country Club, and got a few. and I was a head professional in the New York area. Had also as a head pro at Tamra's. I split a, a, a Quaker Ridge and tamarisk for a while um quaker ridge was ranked in the top 20 courses in the country when i was there Mm -hmm. and and sleepy hollow was my last job in new york which is ranked in the top 100 courses now too Uh, and then i went to uh, you know i went down to Durrell to start my own golf school started in 1991
2: yeah amazing that's that's
0: pretty crazy you know that this is our 73rd episode it's a really um, special number but because i believe you're 73 years old now and you turned pro in 73. So uh, you got to play the lottery this week.
2: <laughs> and and I, I was born in 73. So there's, oh, there uh, we go. you know, someone who's into numerology <laughs> could have fun with this. Good
1: point. You know, I'll try and figure out what I can do with this information.
0: <laughs> but but I, I was telling you before we got on the cast, this is my 24th season coaching and instructing. And it's a real thrill to have you on. I carried around your eight-step book for a number of years in the early 2000s. I believe that came out in the late 90s. And I don't know where to start because going back to who you looked up to, would that be Ben Hogan?
1: Yeah, Ben Hogan, for sure. I was lucky also to work well. Jackie Burke was a great friend of uh, Hogan's and also Ken Venturi, who I worked with a a lot, played a lot of rounds over, well over a hundred rounds with Ken Venturi. He was trained by Byron Nelson and, and Hogan. So he was a huge Hogan, um, you know, loved Hogan. He wore the Hogan cap when he played, he won the U S open. And then he was 35 years with the uh, lead announcer role at CBS golf. Um, So he was, he worked with a lot of tour players when I was working with him as a younger guy. And then we just had a long friendship, you know, uh, he passed away. Few years ago but uh, venturi was a big influence claude harman up in wingfoot uh when i was in new york i started a westchester country club in uh, very close to uh, wingfoot and uh, you know so we just had a lot of uh tremendous people that i could i had a chance to learn under which i really enjoyed doing you know i didn't know i was going to love teaching i was completely focused on playing um pretty disappointed i missed the tour school in 1974 and I, I went up to work up there and started teaching and i i uh sort of immediately liked it
2: yeah that's what i wanted to ask you about was you know how how did because you know, you're such an accomplished player in an amateur level uh and professional and so um you know, how the transition to teaching happened and like, do you miss not like maybe grinding it out or trying, uh, you know, a couple more attempts at Q school. Cause it, it is a grind.
1: It is a grind. I went back in 1977 and, uh, I played pretty well there, but I, I missed, um, and I never really looked back after that. I, I, uh, really was pretty burned out as a kid. I played so much golf and I just, mm-hmm. it was depressing missing that tour school. And I, when I went to New York and kind of got away from getting up and worrying about how many hours I was going to practice and what I was going to shoot the next day. It was a big relief for me. Um, So, you know, uh, yeah, it just was a, was something I fell into with this teaching Mm -hmm. and I had a great interest in it uh, right Mm -hmm. from the beginning.
0: Well, you got to have an analytical mind and I'm pretty I'm pretty excited to talk about the fact that you've actually worked with about 250 professionals who went on to work at great facilities so throughout the United States and the world, including eight journal, eight juniors who went to number one in America, which is unbelievable. And then, just for those of you who don't know who Jim McLean is and how many people he's taught and who he's worked with, you know, some pros include you know U.S. Open champion Christy Kerr. US Open champions Gary Woodland, Curtis Strange, the infamous Greg Norman, (laughs) and uh, tons of celebrities. You're down in Miami at the Bitmore. You used to be at Doral. Tell us a couple of the players that you've worked with um, and some of the celebrities, uh, possibly. I I know that you've worked with Will Smith and Cathazeta Jones and uh, Michael Douglas. Uh, Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Well, a lot of people
1: are drawn into golf and you know, this was a destination area down here. We had a PGA Tour event at, at Doral for 25, you know, the 26 years I was there. I worked a, I worked a lot with Keegan Bradley from when he just came out of college for five years and he won the PGA Championship. I worked a lot with Brad Faxon, uh, Lenny Matisse a lot, um, who, who went on to win tour events. Guys that came out of college that weren't really maybe expected to be that great. So that was a, that was fun. I worked with Lexi Thompson since she was a Mm -hmm. uh, young girl, Uh, Lucy Lee. Lately she's on the LPGA tour. Yeah. I started her. Uh, Eric Compton, who's had the two heart transplants. A lot of people know who Eric is, but he was runner up in the United States open and uh, has played a lot of PGA tour golf, a lot on the corn fair, a lot on some over in Europe. But, uh, you know, Eric has been a, i'm really a hero of mine because of the amount of drugs he has to take every day and how tough it is for him but he's still been able to do these these great things in golf and He's he's a friend of mine down here a very good friend so you know sometimes yeah. it's not the absolute most famous people you work with I, work, I worked with a lot of amateurs that have done well uh mm-hmm. made the made the uh, Walker Cup teams won the U- u.S mid amateurs I uh, just talked to a friend of mine he owns friars head now in in, in the United States which is a t- I think ranked sixth in the United States the golf course he built that oh. place with Crenshaw and core but um yeah he qualified for for the um, masters by winning the uh, mid amateurs so those are fun things that happen besides a lot of tour players that I've worked
2: with-hmm is there uh a- a player that stands out that that would like fit into the rags to riches story, right? Cause a lot of golfers are, you know, may come from, you know, or the, the rumor are that they come from affluent families, but you always hear of that one player who slept in the car and, you know, and whatnot. Is there anyone in your roster that, that fits that description?
1: Well, absolutely. Keegan Bradley uh, mm-hmm. came with a Ford focus car with the, the Mears, Taped to the side of his car. absolutely. <laughs> love, yeah. love it. He had no money. I'm telling you, no money. uh He was playing the Hooters tour up in um, Orlando when I met him. He'd come out of college. He was 22 years old, but he never played in the U.S. Junior or the U.S. Amateur or any big, uh he, no big amateur events in America. Um, he was a really good athlete, though. Good skier, uh, strong, and he wanted to play uh, the tour. So we started working and he gradually, you know, came up, got onto the, it was the web.com. It's the corn Ferry tour mm-hmm. now. And then he, he got it, uh, made it to the PGA tour. I was with him in Texas when he won the f- his first tour event, the Byron Nelson, uh, as a rookie. And then later that year, he won the PGA. Yeah. So amazing! I know pe- people are talking, it would be a travesty if Brooks Kepka didn't make it to the, um, uh rider cup this year because mm. they're pga champions automatic but they didn't pick uh, keegan when right. he won the, right won the, and he won a tour event that's that right. year too and he was that's right way at the top of the list but they picked some other people ahead of him because he he didn't quite get to the total exempt
2: pick
0: jim do you, you know that's player yeah he would have done well player. in that format yeah you know, Jim, I got to tell you, I'm glad you brought up Keegan Bradley and Mike. What a fantastic question. Uh, leading into the fact that as a golf instructor, it drives me bananas to see his posture. Now, you mentioned I used to always joke around with other pros saying the guy looks like he's going to go skiing, only to find out that afterwards that posture comes from downhill skiing. Isn't that That's right? right?
1: That's yeah, exactly <laughs> right.
0: And, and Keegan, so, yeah, he's got really long arms
1: and he'd always mm-hmm. played with those clubs. So, you know, that was one of the first things I looked at, but we had bigger fish to fry with his golf swing, really, at the beginning. Uh, and then we he just stayed with that. I've seen some guys with deep knee flex who are, you know, very, very fine players. So that, you know, that was just part of his physiology.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if I look at someone like uh, Victor Hovland, who who also has long arms, it's really, really interesting on how he swings the club and comes around everything. But you've, you've taught some of the the great champions of the game and spend time with Gary Player, Bernard Longer, Tom Kite, Ben Crenshaw. I've got to mention these names because they're not just your average golfer, right? It's it's pretty incredible. Um, when we talk about celebrities, you know, one thing we like to talk about are, are funny and embarrassing stories. Do you got any stories with any of these celebrities that you've had to teach? Anything that comes to mind or the first thing that pops into your head when the uh, when you think of the uh, celebrities learning how to play? Well, I, I taught
1: Sylvester Stallone quite a bit, and he would come to uh, Doral with a couple of bodyguards, actually. Because uh, right. And we went up, you know, the first time I went into Doral with him, too, we went into the clubhouse. It's a pretty big resort. Uh, there's a big restaurant there. We're going to get something to eat. And I don't know, about 15 or 20 people started yelling, Yo, Rocky! you know, pretty loud, you know, so (laughs) they they did the whole Rocky deal, which was pretty cool. And I was fun talking to him about how he um, produced Rocky and then starred in it because he had had that script for quite a few years, so nobody would take it. And when they finally did take it, they refused to have him be the lead role. But he -hmm. said, I wrote this this play for myself and it was a, a very low budget film. And mm-hmm. of course, we we know what's happened. Um, he did okay on that deal. Yeah,
2: not yeah he too did. Bad. And didn't he uh, <laughs> <laughs> have to? You know, he 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 sold a dog or something during that the, time to help total, get money. To he, he, speaking of, he went back, the riches, and bought yeah. it back. You know, gave the guy a handsome profit to to readopt the dog. I, I believe was attached to that that film.
1: I think that's correct. I, mm-hmm. I think that's right. But, uh, you know, Sly became a good golfer. He, keep, he got a, a good golf swing. I, I found that the actors I've worked with are very good students because actors are used to listening to the director. You know, they, yes. they follow a script. So they've actually been some of the easiest people I've ever worked with in my life.
2: Interesting. I've heard that if anyone on set made eye contact with Sly, they were out. So I don't know if, uh, if, if that, don't held, know about that held true on the driving range. So no. Is uh so yeah. is
0: Alice Cooper a good a golfer as people say he was or is? He's a
1: he's an avid avid uh, golfer. He's a he's a, loves it. Uh, yeah, I was lucky to have him on my team a couple of times in the Michael Douglas tourna- tournament that uh, Michael ran, and uh, we gambled a little. Well, he didn't actually gamble. He came down with me at, at Caesar's Pet when we played in Vegas. But um he was fantastic to listen to. I mean, so entertaining. Um, completely no drinking anymore, no drugs, no right. nothing. But yeah. He was definitely in the serious fast lane there for quite a while.
2: Yeah, that, that came with the territory in those days. Uh, you know, the, yeah. the rocker lifestyle.
1: I, I worked with Glenn Fry some too, and uh wow. he had great stories with the Eagles of what it was like in the you know, and then of course, when I knew him, he was a different person. He was wasn't drinking, and he was he was great. He was really fun to talk to as well. Yeah, oh, Jim, Jim, I gotta
0: I gotta bring this up. I want to pivot a little bit. Lots yep. going on in the world of golf. Obviously, the U.S. Open coming up. We're gonna get to that in a moment. But you know, Brandel Shambly is in the news quite a bit. Uh, your relationship with him, your thoughts on Brandel, and maybe a little bit of live talk. You don't have to, you don't have to tell us anything, but you know, do you have an opinion?
1: Well, I, I uh, broadcast, I'm doing, going to Los Angeles for the LA open coming up. So we do PGA tour radio for Sirius yeah, XM. That's and right. uh, mm-hmm. this will be us open radio. So I'm, I'm excited to see all of those guys from live uh, playing in the event. I think, I think it was great at Augusta, you know when the, everybody was together. Yeah. It seemed like everybody got along. To me, I do the range yeah. at the at the um, majors, so it seemed to me uh, everybody got along really well. And then, for Brooks to finish second at at the Masters and then win at the PGA, yeah. you know, it's really there's you kind of like to. Supplant the Ryder Cup with Live versus the PGA Tour, you know, would be, mm-hmm. a, I think a lot of people would watch that. It's super controversial, so it really touches a nerve with a lot of people talking about it the does. LIV. Um, it'd be a tough decision, probably, for somebody to turn down that kind of money and, and the schedule they have. I've had my school at Mayakoba in Mexico for a long time and I went down this year we had, they had the PGA Tour event for 14 straight years and they mm-hmm. they had LIV this year and it was really cool I mean the tournament was really it was really fun and it, yeah. the sponsors the sponsors enjoyed it I know that yeah
2: I was down at the event at Pumpkin Ridge because it was just a short drive from where yeah. I am and so went down and um, and got to walk around and, and I I thought the event was fairly fun You know, it's condensed into a few hours and uh, there's a lot of interactivity around. And I know each event they've been evolving slightly and getting better. That was only the second event on their schedule. But uh, I uh, was surprised uh, that I actually, uh, you know, found it enjoyable to watch. And and there was a great crowd on the final day. Uh, The place was just as busy as any other tour event. Um, but like you just said, I miss seeing them on tour. So when they all yeah. showed up at Augusta, uh, so that, that was fantastic. Because I, I miss DJ, be, all these guys in the field, and uh, e- even, uh, you know, Poulter and some of the older fellows, Louis Oosthuizen. like we miss seeing these guys uh, in, in the majors. So, um, you know, whatever one's well, opinion got, is.
1: Yeah, we've got a, a British Open champion and a PGA champion right now. They're on the LIV, you know, and they've won mm-hmm. three of the last four majors. So I think when it, when they all get together, it's that's a world championship golf tournament, you know, when mm-hmm. you've got everybody in the world there. Now, with LIV, I don't know if they end up making some changes to, you know, going to 72 holes or if there's some way they get world ranking points. Um, those, those are all very controversial in the yeah. golf world for sure so you know some yeah. people go, you know absolutely ballistic and other people are accepting but yeah. mainly i like to watch golf you know i like to see yeah. the best players in the world
2: it's nice to hear you say that because raf and i have felt the same way right like obviously the disruption uh i i would like to see how all of that uh you know um the announcement and how jay handled things but i, I might would like to see that be a bit smoother but at the end of the day, it's golf. It's a different format. And uh, there's there's a, there's a lot of golf going on right now. So it, it's it's interesting to see it unfold.
0: Yeah, we're pretty thrilled. We, we got a lot of good guests. We've been fortunate to have uh, most of the old Golf Channel crew come on. A lot of the Champions Tour players. And some of them like to answer the questions. Some of them give their opinions. They feel strongly about their allegiance to the PGA Tour. Others just love golf. And that's where Mike and I stand. We're sort of in the middle. We love the game. We're going to promote it on both ends. And, uh, you know, it's really about the players at the end of the day, because no tour is bigger than golf, in our opinion. Um, Well, I'm going to jump on to, you know, the current players. Do you have a few players in the stable right now? And the second part of the question, any U.S. Open picks, any favorites?
1: Yeah, well, uh, right now, I'm pretty much just teaching at the golf school. We've, We've been uh, since covid i worked the mm-hmm. last person i really worked with was for uh was russell hanley uh for a year mm-hmm. in 2020 which was really great he's a, he's a great guy and um he, he finally won again uh, this this past year and i he's playing great golf so uh, i look forward to seeing him out there um going to this us open picks is that what we just did yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Keith, you know, you just watched Scotty Scheffler, you know, at Muirfield hit the ball better than anyone's probably hit it ever in, in, a, in a PGA Tour event to be that far ahead and strokes gained. Um, he's right at the top of the list. John Rahm's going to be really tough. So you kind of mm-hmm. look also at the California guys, although Morikawa just withdrew uh, with a back injury. So that really uh, looks bad for him. Max Homa. Yeah. Has not had a top ten finish, but he's an LA guy and he's played great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Victor Hovland, uh, such yeah, a great I biker. I think I think LA Country Club. I played it quite a few times. Um, I think it's going to be very tough. I think it's be, well, all opens are very tough, but it mm. it's it, it's really stretched out a long long ways, and it's going to be a heck of a test. I think it's going to be really something so, so you know the 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 guys you expect to be up there are probably my top picks off the top of my head
2: i think all nice. s- sound picks uh you know i might I know no yeah. one i know one Go i was ahead. gonna
1: pick i think ricky fowler's playing really well again right uh, yeah. now huh. he's yeah
2: he is trending absolutely is, that would be a great uh sunday to see him hoist it's nice to see free.
0: him nice to see him back with butch uh working on his yeah. game you know
2: I, he's mm-hmm. got a pretty,
0: pretty flat swing. You know, he's not a very tall player, and he gets through the ball really well with an amazing amount of speed. Uh, that's a really good pick. I like that.
2: Well, he'd be a crowd favorite. Yeah, yeah. how cool that uh, you know would be to see him hoist the U.S. Open trophy. I think that would be a great experience. So, Jim, you're
0: currently at the Bitmore. Tell us about your golf school and what you're offering at that location, and how people could get in touch with you.
1: Well, uh, yeah, the Biltmore Hotel, it's in Coral Gables, right next to the University of Miami, very close to downtown Miami. Uh, I also have another school at Miami Beach Golf Club in South Beach. So we have two schools down here. Uh, They've done great. We're going into our, you know, our slower season right now where where we're doing a ton of junior junior teaching. Um, I'm going out to my school in Utah, uh, just outside of Park City, Utah called mm. red ledges a jack nicholas golf course a beautiful place so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out that way i'm speaking later in this fall in paris to the french federation and mm. in madrid to the spanish federation in the fall yeah. uh so you know i got a pretty busy time uh starting in a, in about
2: the end of july is there so, any any of your locations like stand out to you as a favorite? Is it, you know, you're uh, you've pretty got a, a global presence right now.
1: Well, I, I talked to my guy in, in Korea. I'm going to go to Korea next year. not, not going to yeah. make it this year, but I was supposed to go when, when COVID hit. But not, now I think I'll go next year. My The yeah. place in, at Banco Santander in Madrid is fabulous. Mayakoba is a phenomenal resort. But wow. I'm, I'm stationed right here in Miami at the Biltmore. They've been great to me. We have a really cool facility there with a good short game area. Uh, you know, awesome. there's my super, super stations in the back. And it, I mean, it. And, you know, they're all good. I, I think all the places are, are really nice.
2: Yeah. Fantastic. Anything with a great short game area is just a favorite to me just because it's just I can get absorbed in, in the short game area for hours so that's fantastic now one thing that stood out to me was that you're kind of pioneering the use of radar technology in terms of uh, uh, the golf uh, application and, and you're involved with like the, the track man. is that correct and getting that started like can, can give us a little <laughs> more insight on how that came about.
1: Well, I think the the main thing that uh, for me was getting started with video right at the very beginning. Mm. The, a really top, really the greatest guy in golf research, Carl Welty, down in uh, in Carlsbad, at La Costa, who uh, who I knew from Seattle, Washington. Uh, and then and then, uh, uh, yeah, I started with Trackman right at the beginning because I owned the club fitting also at Doral when I was there. Um, yeah we used it for club fitting really at the beginning. That's what it was actually for mostly. Uh, and then, you know, it became a big deal in, in teaching. And mm-hmm. obviously you, you go through all the programs and learn all the terminology and, and uh, how to read uh, all the parameters. Uh, I've got also, I've got foresight now, which has been great because it's so easy yeah. to take out on the golf course. Uh, a lot of the, out of the I, I see a, it's kind of evenly divided now when, when I go to a tour event between TrackMan and Foresight. Those are the two huge players right now in mm-hmm. launch monitors for tour players. But um, the ability to show the numbers to people, I feel like, you know, my eyes have been the TrackMan my whole life. I was looking right. at spin rates and everything that's happening in the swing. But I think the great thing is when you can show those numbers to the person you're working with of how much outside in they're swinging or inside out they're swinging. And, you know, when they, you show them those numbers, they just can't deny it. They said, well, yeah, I guess I am swinging that much outside in Mm. because maybe they were 15, 10 or 15 degrees to the left. And then, you, they say, "Well, I made a big change." I said, "Yeah, but you're still five degrees outside in." And that's they—they they look at those numbers. They say, "Yeah, I guess I guess I am." I found it helped.
2: Yeah. Uh, go ahead. I said I found it helped on a uh, you know uh, on the amateur side. You guys both being teaching pros, I found uh, it helped sort of uh, you know uh, visualize a feeling. So then you could try something else, and it's amazing how it's easy to to correct yourself when you see the faults.
0: Oh, I was getting into teaching uh, right on the precipice of all this technology coming out. So we're well, learning on a full swing golf simulator and having that Doppler technology. And then you had the Sand Putt lab come out, you know, early, mid 2000s. And I'm currently using the GC Hawk uh, foresight technology. And, and like you said, you get all your distances and not only uh, for total distance, but the spin rates and the carry distance and everything from inside out to outside in, it really gives uh, a lot of the players a good visual and it's not just for professionals, it's really good for beginners too. Uh, and obviously the V1 technology through video and just drawing out things uh, simply down the line and and face front uh, is incredible. And you know, you really pioneered that. Um, did you ever get somebody like uh, Donald Trump on some of this technology, or?
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: yes, I did, uh, and a few other few others. But uh, yeah, going back to the the computer technology, I started with doing that with Tom Peters was his name, uh, and then it became Swing Solutions. This is way back, and we we brought that to the golf show, and nobody was really that interested. It was kind of a little bit ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. And then uh, solutions came out, and then JC Video and V1. So uh, what Carl and I had done in the old days, we used two televisions and we put two VHS tapes in, and we drew on the TV to uh, like you do with the computer now. And that's how I showed uh, Tom Peters how to do the software going back in the in the eighties. Wow. Before, yeah, yeah, and then and I also worked with V1, and that's why you see there's all of these different systems have eight steps in them
2: if you yeah.
1: might notice that yeah and it's got the, <laughs> this is amazing it's got the safety zone there i yeah i did that you're
2: like the, the godfather of golf instructions <laughs> yeah no no. There,
1: there's a lot of great teachers that came before me i learned a yeah. lot from a lot of great people but, but like what, you what said it's,
0: it's more you kind of learned it. you kind of dug it out of the dirt back in the day you kind of learn by practicing and visually seeing and other other players or, who turned into teachers telling you what you're doing wrong but but having that feeling and being able to back it up with the numbers and technology was really where you were and how you pushed that forward so that's very cool
2: so do you think the amateurs uh or or even budding professionals like we should all be uh you know scrambling to get you know some of the small uh, launch monitors or just some kind of regular data as we practice
1: well there is more affordable technology that's pretty pretty good right now uh, i yeah. think, i think it's fun for for everybody to maximize their time a, a big thing for me as a teacher has been trying to to be able to teach amateur golfers uh, uh a reasonable amount of time for them because i a lot i think a lot of teachers overestimate how much of uh, a, an amateur golfer is really going to practice so mm-hmm. i've always tried to narrow it down to just you know a few minutes a day but or, or a few minutes. Uh, yeah, a few minutes a day would be one or two minutes a day. And then a few times a week practicing. They mm-hmm. can just keep their mind on it. But if you go to the range and you have some technology to, to dial in your your real distances, because as we know, everybody way overestimates how far they hit their iron shots. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I think that would that would be <laughs> a very advisable thing to do.
0: There we uh recently talked to uh Len Matisse, who mentioned he was going out to see you, I think, before one of the events this year. Um, or was that last year, Mike? I don't remember. We had him on twice He's in the last on, a year a couple and a half times. Yeah, yeah. And it was great to talk to him. Tell us a, a little bit about Len and your relationship with him.
1: Yeah, well, Lenny and I had a still have a great relationship. I, I started working with him and he just kept getting better and better and he he won twice he won at la and he won in memphis the fedex uh tournament at the time was not the fedex championship but it was a big it was a good tour event and then i was with him at augusta and he shot 65 the last day and then one of your guys by the way mike weir mike weir in a a playoff you know which was big and then that very winter he was in a terrible skiing accident. I don't know if he mentioned that to you because he, he doesn't talk about it. But I mean, that just took out all the ligaments in both knees, and yeah. it was a dev- devastating, really career-ending accident yeah. for, for plenty, You know, where uh. he just you just couldn't you couldn't really get back to being a world-class player with that kind of damage to your legs.
2: No, it was a real shame because he was uh, trending during uh, the 2003, uh, season in that, in that gap of two years. So it, it's, uh, uh, real unfortunate to uh, turn of events there. That's too big, too major injury to recover from, uh, effectively, but it's good to yeah. see him out there on, on champions tour and, and oh, yeah. a go at it still.
1: Yeah. Well, nobody works harder than Lenny. He's got an indomitable spirit. He's just one yeah. of the greatest guys ever. And he, he just loves golf and there's a lot of great things he does with his foundation. Yeah. Uh, He's good friends with so many of the top players. He was, you know, in those years, he was in those big groups. He played with Tiger a lot and Goosen yeah. and VJ mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, you know, he was, like you said, he was trending. He was, yeah. you know, working his way into the top 20 in the world. And, um, you know, th- things happen in life, though. There's, a, there's yeah. anything yeah 100 happen.
2: No, that's exactly. What about Greg Norman? Are you in touch with Greg, or have you, it's since, especially since all this live stuff is uh, broken down or, uh, uh, you know, Just any a few, communication?
1: Uh, a few, a little bit, a few couple of text messages. I, am, I haven't talked to him on the phone. Yeah. I didn't see him at Mayakoba. Um, I had fun working with him, though. Um, yeah. One of the things, uh, watching this tournament last week, with McElroy driving the balls so far and straight, and then missing greens with wedges and hitting those terrible wedge shots. Greg was a little bit like that, too. The guys that fully released the golf club uh, mm. with a tremendous amount of speed, like both of those guys do, uh, also Jack Nicklaus, they were uh, notoriously poor wedge players as compared mm. to a tour player. Um, so it's, it's a different release. So Hovland's got a, a, the opposite release, a hang on, hold on release going through it more like trevino or zach mm-hmm. johnson great wedge players paul azinger somebody like that um and he's a complete you know complete let go release releasing which was launches the balls very high like greg did with the wedges and uh, you know you got to bring those wedge that wedge trajectory down to be a great wedge player and mm-hmm. it's hard to do though i mean when you're when you're driving at 350 yeah. yards and then trying to ratchet it down but it was kind of sad to see him missing greens and hitting it over greens with uh, from inside of 120 yards
0: yeah you look at uh, different players Jordan Spieth as well looks like he's holding it off a little bit changes swing even his pre-shot routine a little bit over the top, and 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 he's trying to push and get to play that power fade. Uh, but like you mentioned, when, when you release the club, they're all great drivers of the great uh, of the game. You know, Rory's been the longest. Greg in his day was the longest on tour and the straightest. So that, that's a very good point. I'd like to talk about your game because in 1973, although I was not born yet, I'm a 74 child. <laughs> in 73, I, I have watched almost everything back in the archives and. I believe that year you did play, finished 43rd. Um, that was the year Tommy Aaron with his only major win, uh, won at 36 years old. Uh, you had Back Johnny 19, Miller.
1: 1972, Nicholas won. I was there. It was 1972. And for the Masters. Great. Yeah.
0: So now I've got my years mixed up. It's, it was a while okay. ago. <laughs> <laughs> but so
1: long ago, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. yeah. So t- tell us uh, do you remember how it you it all led up to you going and driving down Magnolia Lane and how that felt? Well,
1: that came from um, the us amateur. I finished fourth in the us amateur um, and that got you into the uh, masters. so yeah uh, it was a yeah, it was great. I, I stayed up in the Crow's Nest. Uh, ben Crenshaw stayed up there one or two nights Tom Tom kite. Uh, Jim Simons uh, was a really good friend of mine was up there too and uh, they all ended up being very good great tour players of course and and Mm -hmm. Tom and Ben the hall of famers um, and we all four of us made the cut which was I I don't know how many times that's ever happened Uh, might be the might be the only time that's ever happened
2: Hmm. not
1: sure but uh, yeah I played the first round with Al Guyberger who was the a PGA wow. champion. I played the second round with Hale Irwin. We cha- every day they changed. We played a twosome. They repaired after the first round. Hale right. Irwin didn't say one didn't say one word to me before, during, or after the round. <laughs> I, I played with Hubert Green the third round, who won three majors, and he was the greatest. Yeah, uh, yeah.
2: Is there, uh, any of these uh, golf personalities that like were more comedic? Like, who's the most comedic? Person, like past and present perhaps of oh, tour players or anybody I have tour players mm. that do, you know been across uh, there's a lot of insert are... uh well there's, well, there's you no know... doubt Lee Trevino no doubt was uh was a
0: character oh yeah Chi Chi Rodriguez you know, uh... <laughs> Chi Chi was great
1: I played a little bit with Chi Chi one time with Chi Chi uh I had dinner with Bob Tosky last night actually and uh yeah. Tosky's 96 he got up and sang a few songs at the, wow. at the uh, piano with the with the guy singing up there and he he was he was great he was talking about the old timers who were uh, a different breed of course there was much oh. more party atmosphere mm-hmm. but uh, yeah Trevino I'd say hilarious I think Max Homer right now has got a great sense of humor I don't mean yeah, really
2: yeah, absolutely
1: uh, and most of the guys are, are pretty sharp pretty sharp-witted guys and can really throw the barbs out i i think that you know i, I don't really know who's the most hilarious guy uh yeah. <laughs>
2: right now <laughs> well, and you mentioned some of the you know they were called the old schoolers sorry right? i remember ken venturi telling a story about getting on a plane with frank sinatra you know i think from the west coast they flew to new york and partied for days and and came mm-hmm. back and uh you know so those i think those days um you know are, are, are remain in the history and i'm not sure yeah, if, i think you know, the live players... is, might be
0: live might be the closest thing to the clam bake right yeah it's, uh, <laughs> it's a good different <laughs> well, part, got that, party i'm that sweet
2: jet they they fly around on so uh, you know they're really taking care of these guys you know now anyway <laughs> and, we'll see if that changes And the
1: first tea times at 1 i mean lt off at one thirty, so that yeah that leaves yeah. you a lot of room for the evening deal but uh yeah. on the pga tour there's a lot of 7 a.m Tea times, either Thursday or Friday, no, no matter who you are, and, and rain outs and all what's. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's a little tougher than I think most people might think of how early the guys are. I mean, I don't think anybody's feeling sorry for them right now, but no. it, um. it's very tough to get to, onto that PGA tour. And a lot of guys struggle. Like Max Homa be an example. He didn't really get out there until, until his he 30. He's mm-hmm. But he h- hung in there through all those different tours and and uh well one of the great feeder tours of course is the Canadian PGA, PGA yeah. tour my son played there for 4 years I, I played the canadian tour it was a long time ago when i was when i was younger but yeah, yeah that, that's so, that's so my my, my
0: mentor uh in the professional golf management program when i got started in the late 90s was bob Boschman who played on tour and he was the commissioner of the canadian tour and got it started basically uh, he just got inducted in the ontario golf hall of fame So that's really uh, neat. Um, You know, Jim, I don't even know where to take this interview because we could go so many different ways. You've got so many great stories. Uh, I'd love for us to find out what your ultimate foursome would be. We're talking about, you know, five generations, uh, five decades of golf. I was gonna say generations, my goodness. Decades of golf. Who would you love to play with? Dead or alive, uh, excluding family? Because everybody always mentions family, yeah. but excluding family. What's your ultimate force of?
1: Of golf pros or anybody?
0: It could be Durable. anybody. Anybody, dead well, or alive. First, people will pop into your head.
1: Bill Murray stopped by a couple of weeks ago. I played with him. I, I, he is unbelievable. <laughs> he's, he's a lot of fun yeah. to play with. Um, I would say Arnold Palmer would be one mm-hmm. I would put in my group. And uh,
0: Tiger Woods, yeah, and that Bill would be
2: Murray, a great foursome.
0: And Bill Murray, that's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, It's almost like Arnold be the mediator between you know somebody who's <laughs> highly competitive and then Bill Murray on the far, far left.
1: <laughs> I was supposed to play with Arnold when I qualified for the United States Senior Open. We had I I talked to him. The, Arnold was one of the guys that hired me at the Golf Channel when when the Golf Channel started, uh, and I worked for the Golf Channel for ten years, but. Uh, Yeah, I was supposed to play with him. Uh, We arranged a game. I called him, you know, maybe 10 days before the tournament. And he said, Yeah, we can play at eight o'clock on Wednesday. I said, Okay, great. So I, I practiced morning till night on Monday and Tuesday getting ready for this Arnold Palmer day and he didn't show up at Eight o'clock. I waited till nine, nine thirty. I finally went. I teed with, played up with some other people, I just said, well, you just forgot about it. Or maybe you didn't feel well. Then I right. saw him later that night and he said, uh, where were you? And I said, Arnold, I was there at six. I was the first one at the, at the course. And he said, well, our tea time was at eleven. Nice. Oh, so there's no way I forgot what time I was playing with Arnold. But what am I going to say, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, you're you're right, Arnold. Like I just, uh, I guess I just messed up. You know, <laughs> yeah. but I so that was my chance to play. The one time I did have a chance to play with him.
0: That's a great. You know, thank you for sharing all your stories. You know, uh, if you if you're just tuning in and you're wondering who we're with, we're with Jim McLean. He's uh, basically one of the golf gurus in the game. I love the fact that you mentioned the Golf Channel, because, you know, Mike and I were we roommates back then, late 90s, Mike. We've known each other for uh, almost 30 years. We, yeah, almost 30 Mike years. rekindled my game back in, in the early uh, 90s, uh, getting me back out on the golf course because I was uh, played a lot of golf when I was a kid. And uh, so we used to watch Jim Flick, who used to have one of the first academies on the Golf Channel. Mm-hmm. And he used yeah. to have these students behind podiums, Right? Do you remember? <laughs> like, he, the, uh, right?
2: he, he was promoting the swing guide back then too, right? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I actually, have one still sitting around somewhere.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining us, Mike. Do you want to sign us off with uh, with your final sure. question? Yeah, and, thanks, uh,
2: anyone watching. Uh, thank you. Please hit subscribe. Uh, and tomorrow, this will be out uh, on all the different pl- platforms wherever you get your podcasts. So, uh, we, uh, catch it there. Uh, and, and thanks again. And, 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 and Jim really appreciate your time coming to, you know, spend, uh, spend nearly an hour with us. And, um, you know, I, I think our, our followers and supporters are going to enjoy this pod as much as we did. Uh, thank you very much.
1: Thank you. The time went really fast, Mike and Raphael. Thanks for having me on. I hope you guys will stop down in Miami
2: and see me next winter. That we will one hundred percent. Raph and I are actually in wanting to get down to Florida. So so <laughs> we'll come knocking on your door. So <laughs> uh, All right. okay, excellent. Thanks, Jim. I uh, appreciate for, it. For Thank Jim
0: you. and Michael, I'm Raphael. We'll see you next week with John.